Hi, everybody, and welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne, joined by John Brazier. And, John, we have we have baseball royalty in the booth tonight. We have a Hall of Famer. Now, we've, we've <laughs> talked to some Hall of Famers, right? That's right. Uh, not often, but we have a, actually the, it's probably the, the interview we, the, who's the Hall of Famer, the most recent Hall of Famer. Have we ever had, like, a really recent Hall of Famer? Uh, when did we talk to Tommy? Uh, well, after his. Was it yeah. after his? Okay. Well, let's bring him on. We yes. Tim Kirchin who's the class of 2022, right? Yeah, so after I won the award, Johnny Bench, the greatest catcher of all time, calls me on the phone the next morning and says, congratulations, welcome to the club, you're one of us now. So let's be clear, I'm wow. not in their club, I'm not one of them, <laughs> I'm a player. Cool, how it, cool is hey, that? Hey, you're in Harry Callis' club, right? It, it, Harry and right, Jason Stark. Uh, Jason still right. really cool. So Johnny's voice gets really soft after congratulating me, and he goes, <laughs> You know, Tim, it's moments like this that bring you back to Little League. And I was about ready to cry again. Wow. And he said, and let's face it, you could still fit into a Little League uniform. <laughs> Thank I you, mean, Johnny. Really appreciate uh, it. I mean, but really think about that. You know, obviously you were a baseball player growing up. Uh, when you were playing in the Little League fields in Bethesda, Maryland, like it's, if someone said to you at 10 years old that, that mm. uh, you know, in, in 40 years you're going to be – or fit whatever uh, you're going to be in the baseball hall of fame. I mean, you would have looked at him like you're you're completely crazy, right? Right. I, I would have said that about five years ago too. By the way, and by the way, I went to Walter Johnson High School, named after the greatest pitcher right, of, of all time. Yep. So there was some destiny involved there. My senior year, one of my gym teachers came up to me after one of my stories in the school paper, which was called the Pitch, by the way, uh, and the yearbook was called the Wind Up. Huh? So uh, after one story, my one of my gym teachers said, "Tim, that that might be the worst story I've ever read <laughs> in the school paper. Uh, I hope you're not planning on making this your life's work." Uh, and but you and did. Then I did. Wait, was that part of your speech? Did you? Did you? Of put, course, it you was. had to put that of in your speech. Of course, it right? was because it really drove me to think am I really this bad and if I am I better get a whole lot better than this so I just kept writing and writing and eventually I figured it out some tells me you could have probably just cut and paste Jason Stark's uh, speech because I think Jason was the same way I think he couldn't believe that he was on that stage making that speech at that time because and you know Jason we all love reading Jason because he just he just exudes a love of the game and you certainly Tim seem to have it every time you're uh, writing or when you're on the air. Well, thank you. And then, the, so for the real induction, I was honored on Saturday. The real induction is on Sunday. And I'm on a bus with only Hall of Famers and me. Like, who does not belong on this bus? So there's one seat open. It's next to me. And this very regal, elegant-looking gentleman comes up and says, can I sit next to you? And it was Sandy Koufax. Oh, wow. my gosh. So <laughs> I've met Sandy before. I've right. interviewed him before. But still, I got 15 minutes now yeah. with Sandy Koufax. Now, he could be a little tricky if you ask the, the wrong question. I know this because I did it once, right? So I decide I'm going to pull an audible here because I love basketball. He was a great player at the University of Cincinnati. So I asked him, I said, could you dunk it easily? This is my first question. Could you dunk it easily when you were in college? And he goes, Yes, I could. He goes, look how big my hands are. You know, he's got historically right. yeah. large hands. And he told me his sleeve length was 37 inches. So wow. he said, I've got these unbelievably long arms and these huge hands. And even though I'm only six feet tall, 
I could dunk it easily. 15 minutes on the bus with Sandy Koufax wow. at the Hall of Fame, and we didn't talk about baseball once wow. because he loved basketball also that much. Now, Jason Stark told me that you are a very good basketball player, yeah. and he said you were also a fierce competitor. <laughs> well, none of that is true, but I will tell you that I used to play basketball with Cal Ripken. It was a raging <laughs> conflict of interest. I should have never done this, but I end up in the same gym with him. I end up playing a hundred games with him, and here's what he liked to do. If he, if we were on opposite teams and like his man was late getting down on offense, Cal Ripken used to like to pick me up at the end line and guard me the entire way down <laughs> okay, the floor. Yes. He's a foot taller than I am, weighs 100 pounds more than I do, and he would harass me all the way down the court. Finally, Could you shake him? I, I finally had to look at him, and I said, would you please leave me alone? Would you please stop trying for one second? And he said, no. And that's why he ended up in the Baseball Hall of Fame, because that pickup basketball game was really important to him, and he was going to play it right, and he was going to win. And that's how he did everything in his life. I got to tell you, you know, back to the Hall of Fame weekend, Tim, I mean, did you find your? I mean, you're around all these great players. Yes, you have interviewed uh, everybody, but that weekend especially, you're, you got everybody around you. Did you feel like you wanted to interview guys, or did you just sit back and let it come to you? And well, I was enjoy. able to sit back because I was too nervous to do anything else. I've never been more scared in my life. If I had screwed up that speech, I would have never forgiven myself. But fortunately, I got through it. And if I may, I get through the speech. So now I'm finally relaxed. We're out on the veranda. And Johnny Bench, the same Johnny Bench who made fun of me, comes out to the veranda and he says, come with me. And he and I sat on the veranda at the Otisaga Hotel, and he, just the two of us. Awesome. And he says, I want you to look at that lake out there, and I want you to not say a word for one minute. I want you to look at that lake and think about where you are, how you got here, and how many people got you here. And I looked at that lake with the greatest catcher of all time yeah. sitting next to me, and I teared up. It was one of the most powerful moments of my whole life. He invites all the first-time Hall of Fame players mm. to do that, to make sure they understand where they are. This time, he invited a writer to go out there, and I'll never forget that. So he's like the awesome. dean of the Hall yes. of Famers. Obviously, he's not the mm. oldest. Right, but on, he's the MC. So on Friday night, when the new Hall of Famers are in, the only people allowed in the private dinner are the Hall of Famers, and Johnny Bench is the MC of the mm. night. And he welcomes the newcomers in. I told Barry Larkin, I said, I'm told this is the greatest part of Hall of Fame weekend. And after Johnny introduced Bar Barry Larkin into the hall, Barry came to me and said, you can't believe how great that was on Friday night because it was just us and Johnny was leading the way. So uh, let's go back to uh, your career that, that got you started. So uh, you went to University of Maryland, right? right? And you did journalism school. Right. And one of your first jobs, if I'm not correct, is uh, in Dallas, right? You worked for the Dallas Morning Star? I, I worked for the Dallas Morning News, but I had, News. Already, I had already lost two jobs by that point at age 24 because the newspapers for which I was working, the Washington Post, and the Baltimore News American essentially folded while I was there. It went away. Remember when the Philadelphia uh, Philadelphia Bulletin went yeah, down? Sure. That's when the star went down the same and time. And the Post. Yeah, I lost two jobs in huh. two months, wow. and that's when I ended up going to Dallas in January then, of 82. And then, huh. <laughs> again, Jason gave me some info. He said one of your first uh, jobs was to go to the uh, uh, the house of, 
I think the Dallas Cowboys coach. No, no, no. Uh, it, yeah, <laughs> it's close. The SMU coach is Ron Meyer, and we get a tip that Ron Meyer, the SMU coach, is going to be the next Patriots coach. This is a huge story. All of our football writers are traveling, so my boss says, Tim, you have to do this story. Call Ron Meyer on the phone. I call him 50 times, phone's off the hook. He goes, you have to go to his house. I've been in town a week. I didn't know how I didn't get to my house, let alone his house, and I didn't know Ron Meyer from Oscar Meyer, believe me. <laughs> so I finally get to the door. It's 10 o'clock at night. I tap on the door. Remember, this is 82. I'm looking a lot younger than I do today, and I'm even smaller than I am today. And I say, hi, I'm Tim Kirkjian with the Dallas Morning News. And he goes, oh, okay, how, how much do we owe you this month? So he <laughs> thought you were the paper boy. I, the paper I had to explain boy. I'm not the paper boy. I didn't know whether to laugh or to cry. Well, long story, he lets me in. He lies to me. I'm not going to the New England Patriots. I call in my story to the office. Yeah. He calls me five minutes later at my apartment and said, your competitor from the other paper just showed up. I didn't want to get you in trouble your first week on the job, so I'm going to tell you the truth. And then I got my story in the paper correctly the next day because well he felt so bad. So, uh. yes, that was the night I decided I'm not going to be chasing any college football coaches around. This is the sport I love. This is the only Baseball. sport I really want to cover. Now, Tim, and you're in Philadelphia, and here you are. This is the 80s. And to me, and I grew up reading uh, all four newspapers because we had the Philadelphia Journal for sure. a few years there too, but uh, the Bolt and the Daily News, the Inquirer, great writers. Uh, who were some of your, uh, I guess, your inspirations, whether it's growing up or in Philadelphia particularly? Did you have some favorites? Oh, of course. Um, in Washington, I worked with Dan Shaughnessy, who's now at the yeah. Boston Globe and is also in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes. Peter Gammons, for me, also in the Hall of Fame, is the greatest baseball writer of all time. Jason Stark taught me, better than anyone, how to look for and find great stats, and great notes. So uh, those are my three mentors in the business, Jason, Peter, and Dan Shaughnessy. But the, the guys in Philadelphia were tremendous. And this was at a time, you guys remember this, yeah. you'd go into a city and I would buy all four newspapers because that was the business. There's yeah. no better job that I've ever had than being a beat guy for a newspaper. And the people I used to read here and everywhere else, it's just so sad to me that the newspaper business isn't what it used to and be. And I love, like, uh, especially Jason, that uh, they would find uh, guys, players, or coaches or executives that had great personality, right? So whenever I think of Jason, he'd, he'd track down Ralph Kiner, and Ralph Kiner would have all kinds of quotes. Or he'd find <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, there's Ralph always Kiner like, I mean, is that, have you done oh, that like I, through your career? You find like I guys you I had my whole towards. list of guys. If somebody, if I needed something funny, I'd call Andy Vance like or Larry, Larry Anderson. Anderson. Yes. Larry Anderson told me once he's a terrible hitting pitcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was two for two to start one season. As a relief pitcher, he's two right. for two. Yeah, yeah. And he said, I should be hitting 2,000 if I'm two for two. That way, if I make an out the next time, my average would only fall to 1,500. This is said, how Larry I, used I to think. I think he also said three hits in 10 years, right. so he's batting right. three, 300. Yeah, 300. Right, right. 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 So, so uh, yeah, I had my whole list of yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. I had my go-to guys, Rich Donnelly. Eventually, Crucky became one of my right. guys. Ask you about John. After he screamed at me once, I called Crucky. <laughs> Crucky got hit by a pitch for the first time in his career after, like, 1,800 played appearances. He was like huh. seven years into the league before yeah. he got hit. I was at Sports Illustrated, and he didn't know me very well, and I called to ask him about the first time he got hit by a pitch. And the silence on the other end of the phone was <laughs> deafening, and he said, 
Are you telling me that you just called me to bother me, to tell me that I got hit by a pitch for the first? He said, do you not have anything better to do with your life? And here it is 30 years later. I still don't have anything better to do with my life. But, yes, I had my guys then. I still have them now because I want to talk to someone who's going to teach me something, entertain me, make me smile, make me laugh. I don't need to talk to the best player on the field. I need to talk to someone who's going to be the most entertaining and informative person on the field. Now, speaking of entertaining, what was it like working side-by-side with John Kruk? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So this is so classic. This happens all the time. Krucky bus trip with him. I mean, I would spend two straight weeks with him. Just me and him. And we're on the bus, and he would just routinely look at me and say, did I ever tell you about the time? And now comes a story that no one has ever heard or will not believe, but it's all true. He says, did I ever tell you about the time I shot a deer in the hot tub? (laughs) And I went, what? And with Crookie, you have to ask right. question. Right, Crookie, right. were you in the hot tub? Right. Was the <laughs> deer in the hot tub? Or were both of you in the hot tub? Because you never know with Crookie. So he said, no, I'm in high school, and I'm in my hot tub, and I got my shotgun lean, leaning up against the, the hot tub. And then he pauses to look at me as if I'm now going to say, yeah, Crookie, that's that's where I keep my shotgun. And he stood up butt naked in high school, shot a deer, and sat back down in. That's one of a thousand stories right. that John Crook told me that made me laugh out loud. Can I ask you? Okay, so when Crook retired, he uh, did a year or two uh, local TV, I right. think, for Prism. And then ESPN, he did that best damn sports show. But he wound up going to ESPN, did some uh, color stuff. And I thought at the time, like, he could be the John Madden of baseball, John Cruck, as a color guy, the Sunday night game for the next 20 years. They wound up putting him in the studio. Do you think you think Crucker would have been that guy if he had just done color for 20 years or did you, did you like him in the studio? Well, Crucky could have been whatever he yeah. wanted to be because, A, he's hilarious. But what people don't understand, seriously, is what a student of the game yep. that he is. I, that stuff I learned just from sitting next to him and him explaining, watch where the right fielder moves on this play. He told me as we're sitting there one day, he said, in 1993, the year they went to the World Series, he said, I bet we didn't turn two five, four, three double plays the whole season because Dave Hollins had a bad elbow mm. and he mm. couldn't make the throw to second because mm. he would throw a slider and he couldn't do yeah, it, yeah. so he would only throw it to first. So I looked it up, and the Phillies in 93 pulled two five, four, yeah. three Did double you know plays. That? I didn't know that. The you whole a, season. You wrote a book on this season. season. That season. The yeah. whole yeah. season. Nice book. And they went to the World Series. Huh. But these were the little things that right. Crucky would teach me. He yeah. claims he never taught me anything. He taught me so much, and he made me laugh so many times. So I have had – I probably worked with a 100 different former players at ESPN, Larry Boa, a million others, yeah. and Crucky's certainly in the top five. Can I, uh, you talked about the 93 seed. I think you were with Sports Illustrated uh, during those years in 93. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, what do you remember from that team? Were they one of your favorites, and did you cover them? Yeah, a yeah, little yeah. Bit, I did a really big story on the 93 Phillies, and I'll never forget, they were in Chicago when I went my, paid my final visit for this story. And it's 
9 o'clock in the morning. It's a day game. We're just now walking into the clubhouse. <laughs> Kurt Schilling meets me at the door. And I know him because I covered his first major league start in Baltimore, okay? okay? So he looks at me and he goes, be careful. The animals are out of their cages today. <laughs> at 9 a.m. At 9 a.m. And meanwhile, Mitch Williams walks by the front door. He's totally naked. Right. And he has a burrito at 9 o'clock in the morning <laughs> that is the size and consistency of a brick. Yeah, and that's yeah. what he's eating at 9 a.m. And there's never been a team yeah. that I've ever been around that was like that. Of course, you know that, Tom. And there will never be another team like that again because of the camaraderie. They would stay after every game, as you know, drink beer and eat pizza. Crucky told me I should never repeat this. Like 14 guys on the team got a divorce that year. Yeah, so I'm not suggesting you <laughs> should be eating pizza, drinking beer, and getting a divorce. I'm just saying yeah. what they were doing, they were doing together. And as they were drinking beer yep. and eating pizza, they were talking about baseball. And we don't, don't do, do that, that anymore. anymore. And I, I'm, I'm sad about that because I really think that made them a better team. And I think that was part of baseball. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, for me, I started in 94, so obviously a lot of people from the 93 team were on the 94 team. And I just remember as a young uh, front office PR person going into the locker room, and there was, I say there's landmines everywhere. <laughs> you had Dave Hollins. You had, you know, Mitch. You had Lenny. You got Kruk. Inkleville. Then you yeah. had Inkleville. But then you had Frank, the clubhouse guy. Then you had – So they Frank, all dumped on. Yeah, you had Frag – oh, then dumped on everyone else. <laughs> then you had Fre or they had Fregosi. You had Boa. You had Vuk. I mean, there was yeah. no – there was no safe space, right? <laughs> For a reporter – Front office person, fanatic. Well, John's got his Darren Dalton Foundation uh, uh, shirt on, and uh, Dutch was the guy who would uh, come out and talk to, right. to the every media. Night, right, every night, every yeah. night. And yeah. that was part of the reason that he was the leader of that team. Pitcher has a terrible day, especially a young pitcher. Dutch is guy, comes out every day, sits there on that on that. Uh, table in the middle of the room and everyone talks to him and if a guy had a bad day Dutch would always protect him if he had a great day he would tell everyone yep. how great he was <laughs> this is how good Dutch was Schilling told me once San Francisco he's got a one hitter go shutout going through seven innings he hadn't thrown anything but a fastball for seven mm. innings and he says to Dutch hey shouldn't I throw something other than a fastball and Dutch looks at him and goes you idiot you pitched seven <laughs> innings and haven't hit a ball hard yet right, right. why would we throw something else they can't hit your fastball just keep throwing it and shilling through like two breaking <laughs> balls out of 102 right. and pitch the shutout. Yep. Now all you right. mentioned there's so many characters in the game. So obviously in all the years you've been in baseball, you've seen them all, right? So, but talk, I know you've written a bunch of books and one of the books uh, had Don Zimmer in the title, right? But talk about Zim, your relationship with Don Zimmer. Well, Zim had a really important part in my life because I was a young writer in 82 covering the Rangers. Now I had covered the Orioles as a semi beat guy, but it doesn't, doesn't really count until you're the actual beat guy when you're in charge of the team. So it's the 82 Rangers. Zim has no idea who I am. And I've just joined the team. I just joined the Dallas Morning News. And I drag myself into his office in the middle of May. They've lost 11 games in a row. They are 
terrible. And Zim at this point is now, he's one of my guys. I'm talking to him every day. He's the manager. So he looks at this forlorn look on my face and he goes, what's wrong with you? And I said, Zim, I, I got to tell you, covering this team isn't nearly as much fun as I thought it would be. And, and he looks at me and I'm quoting here. He goes, he said, why don't you shut up? He says, look at yourself. You're young. You're good looking. You got your whole life in front of you. He said, look at me. I'm old. I'm fat. I'm bald. I'm ugly. I got a plate in my head, and I got this team to manage. I'm the one with all the worries. So quit complaining and recognize yeah. how fortunate yeah. you are to be covering Major League Baseball. And, John, Tom, this was in a seminal moment in my career right. is that instead of complaining that I'm covering a bad Major League team, I'm I was thrilled that I was covering any major league team, and that was the biggest lesson that Zim taught me. And Dickie Knowles is on that team, right? Oh, my gosh. Right-handed pitcher Dickie Knowles. Boy, he <laughs> – I think the last person in the world I would ever want to get in a fight with was Dickie Knowles. He was the yeah. toughest guy in the world. He has since, of course, turned his whole life around. He helps kids yeah. who, who went through what he went through. But I'll tell you, if we ever needed anyone to get knocked down in a box, Dickie was the first one to hand up. I'll knock him down whatever you like. That's what I do. All right, one of the Fanatics' favorite uh, people in baseball that's a non-Philly is Bruce Bochy, right? So talk about your relationship with Bruce Bochy. All right, well, first off, Bochy is one of the greats of all time, a first ballot Hall of Fame manager, and he wore a helmet, still does, size eight and a quarter. Eight and a quarter. <laughs> the, ne the next level is nine. That's right? why the Fanatic loves him. So exactly he has right. the biggest head in the history of baseball. He told me, he said, I got traded twice, and I had to bring my helmet with me. <laughs> And they would spray paint it the new colors of my new team because no one had a helmet that fit me. So he hit a walk-off homer once against Nolan Ryan, the only player ever to hit a walk-off homer off of Nolan yeah, Ryan. That's amazing. And so they run, and he's a backup catcher. He's not a good player. They run a red carpet from the beginning of the clubhouse all the way to his locker, and in his locker is a six-pack of beer with ice sitting in his eight and a quarter helmet. <laughs> so they all celebrate. And Terry Kennedy, the catcher on the Padres, looked at me years later and said, you know, you can get a six-pack of beer in a lot of guys' helmets, but only in Boach's helmet can you get a six-pack of beer with ice. With ice. Nice. The best. <laughs> Bruce Boach, nobody made fun of himself better than him. And, he's having a and that's another reason yeah. he's such a great manager is yeah, yeah. he never took himself too serious. Yeah, they're the best. They're the best. I, I, I know uh, we got to kind of get close to wrapping up. I know John's got a quiz but we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about uh, the 2023 Phillies um, in particular Bryce Harper I mean what he's done to come back after to come back so quickly after his surgery you know what do you think 160 days yeah, after surgery, he's playing in a major league game. He's not just playing, he's raking. Yeah. I, I don't know how he did that. But we heard this story from Rob Thompson the other day. In spring training this year, Bryce is trying to come back, and he's taking BP, and he gets hit in the foot with a pitch in BP mm -hmm. in spring training. And Rob says, well, well we got to get that looked at. Are you going to be okay? Uh, don't hit anymore or whatever. So Bryce Harper looks at Rob Thompson and goes, I don't bruise and I don't swell, I will be fine tomorrow. So the next day, Rob Thompson looks at Bryce Harper's foot, and there isn't a mark wow, on it. Unbelievable. I don't, I don't uh, swell, and I don't bruise. I bruise right. when I type too much. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But this is who Bryce Harper yeah. is. This is why I believe this team is going to turn this thing around. There's too much talent here, and Bryce Harper and the rest of them eventually are going to figure this out. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. Now, Tim, obviously we are here on ALS Awareness oh, yes. Night. 
And we know that uh, your brother, who you're very close to, uh, was diagnosed with ALS. So what, is, what does tonight mean to you? And, uh, and talk about your brother. Well, it's, it's a really important night. And my brother is really struggling now. He's 67. He was diagnosed almost three years ago. And he can't walk anymore. He can barely talk. He's got a feeding tube. And yet his spirits are great. So here's, here's really the only couple stories you need to hear about my brother. A year and a half after being diagnosed, he was a great college baseball player. So his college, Catholic, Catholic University, asked him to throw out the ceremonial first pitch at their only fall date of the season, doubleheader at Mount St. Mary's. So the coach gives him a jersey that says M. Kirkjian number two on the back because that's the number he wore for four years at Catholic U. My brother goes out. He can't even hold a baseball anymore because his hands don't work. And he and I play catch. We figure it out, and he goes out and throws an athletic strike to the plate mm. on the first ball ceremony. Then he looks to his right and his immediate family, including me, we're all wearing the same M. Kirkjian two jerseys. And then he looks further to his right and the entire Catholic University team, all 47 players, mm. are wearing M. Oh, Kirkjian wow. jerseys wow. number two on the back. And that's the only first time I'd ever seen him cry oh. since the ordeal began because he looked at me and he goes, I can't believe they're doing this for me. That's my brother. So three months after that, he four months after that, I throw out the first ball at the Nationals game, and my brother caught it. Hmm. Huh. It's unbelievable. Wow, it unbelievable. Two years into ALS wow. that he could throw a, a thrown baseball from 40 feet, and he caught it right here wow. like a ball player. Uh. That's my brother, but uh, he's fighting it. He's fighting it, and he's losing right now. But he's going to recover, and he's going to live a lot longer. But it, this is a wretched, insidious, devastating disease, and I pray for anyone and any family that is connected to it. Well, I, yeah, I mean, and we're happy uh, you're here. Of course, thoughts uh, go out to your brother, too. And uh, the Phillies have a long history of uh, you know, supporting ALS, and, um, you know, tonight will be a, another uh, special night. Right. So we're real happy you're here, Tim. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, and it's Tim's going to be on the broadcast tonight. Yes. Uh, and he's going to be on the pregame show with Murph and maybe meet greeting, some patients. Greeting some of the patients and yep. everything. So thank you for that. My pleasure. John, All right. You want to do this? I think we are ready for the quiz. I don't know if Tim's ready for the quiz. Oh, but uh, What <laughs> pressure, right? Best quiz he had was Catholic U probably. And, Tom, what do we have uh, to win, by the way? You know what? If he wins, which he will. We just gave out the uh, – Well, Philly. he's an author too, by the way. I know. So that's why we a came prolific up with a special uh, Philly Fanatics Busiest Off Seasons, the latest uh, – Fanatic Kids book. He's got 19 of them out there. And I actually got the Fanatic to sign it. And it says, to Tim from your favorite mascot, the Philly Fanatics. Oh. So, uh, but you got to get six of eight, Tim. I know uh, you would love to have that book, but eight, if you eight don't questions, get six of eight, you have to get six of eight. Six of eight. Oh, you got to oh, get six boy. of eight. Wow. So, yeah, so get your, get your mitts <laughs> off that book. <laughs> I thought it was a gimme, but not no, obviously No not. gimme. There are no gimmes on You have on to earn Philly's this, but I think, I think you'll do well. All, All right. Thanks for the visit, let's get down to business. Now here's your chance to show how much you really know. He might get grumpy if he can't stop you with Brazier's Quiz. First question. As you mentioned, you went to Walter Johnson High School in Bethesda, Maryland. Which of these celebrities did not go to Walter Johnson High? I'm going to mention four celebrities. Three went there, one did not. Okay, you got to tell me which one did not. Rock musician Nils Lofgren from Crazy Horse and E Street Band. Right. Actor Matt McCoy, who is uh, Lloyd Brown and Seinfeld. Right. Was in some of the police academies. Gene Rayburn, host of Match Game. 
and Florent Groberg, who's a Medal of Honor recipient. So was it Nils Lofgren, Matt McCoy, Gene Rayburn, or Florent Groberg that did not go to Walter Johnson? It's Gene Rayburn. <laughs> Bang. Thank goodness. With that long microphone long that he microphone. had. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> I was going to put Charles Nelson Riley, but I thought that might give it away too much. And Matt McCoy was in my English class with wow. Miss Mulhouse our junior year, and that's when he got the bug to become an actor. Wow. We did a one-act play. He did so well in it. Mrs. Mulhouse said, you should consider doing this long-term. That's yeah. where he got to start in Mrs. Mulhouse's wow. uh, 11th grade English class. <laughs> How about class. that? 11th grade. Right. Who would have known? All right. So All you, right. you went to the University of Maryland. Uh, which of these celebrities did not go to Maryland? Okay. There's a lot to choose from. Larry David, creator of Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Ed Snyder, former owner of the Flyers and chair of Comcast Spectacor. Carl Bernstein of Woodward and Bernstein, investigative reporter. Uh, or David Byrne, lead singer of the Talking Heads. So is it Larry uh, okay. David, Ed Snyder, Carl Bernstein, or David Byrne? Uh, I'm going to say David Byrne. David Byrne is correct. Yes, yes that was correct. a guess. I knew if, there was, a, college. if there was a Philly he connection, he, he, he must have. All right, good. He went to an art school in, in Maryland. Yeah, that makes sense. I He's think it was the Maryland Institute of Art. All right, you're off, off and running. Two, two for two. two. And we haven't even got to the baseball questions, of which this is the first one. So I made a bad assumption, and that's why I asked you if you were an Orioles fan growing up. Right. But uh, you're a baseball fan, so you might get this. Who has the best single-season batting average in Orioles history with a 420 average? Um, surpassed only in Major League Baseball by Nat LaHoy and Rogers Hornsby. Okay? So it's the third highest single-season batting average. Uh, is it George Sisler, Heine Manouche, George Stone, or Baby Doll Jacobson? Uh, it's George Sisler. George Sisler is correct. I just wanted—I put those, some of those names in there because I wanted to Heine say Manoush. I wanted to say the name Heine Manouche <laughs> and, and Baby Doll Jacobson. All right, you are three for three. All right, uh, this is a John Cruck, former ESPN colleague. John Cruck and two other players became the first players in MLB history to open their half of the first inning with three consecutive solo home runs versus the Giants. Who were the other two? Was it Steve Garvey and Randy Reddy? Marvell Wynn and Tony Gwynn, Tony Gwynn and Joey Cora, or Stan Jefferson and Marvell Wynn? Well, it was Gwynn and Wynn. I, I love that. Huh. And that. So they were the first ones to do it. And then, by the way, it's been done like four times since. Twice J.J. Hardy, former shortstop, right. was in it with the Orioles and also with the Brewers. Yes, right. Marvell Wynn, Tony Gwynn, and John Cora. Yeah, you're not no going to get sneaking Tim. baseball no, no, no. questions by Tim. It's true. All right, this might throw you off a little bit. You are Armenian, of Armenian descent, right? Right. What is the capital of Armenia? Oh, God. <laughs> well, you have multiple choice. You have multiple choice. Is it, and I'm going to butcher these names, is it Yerevan, Dilijan, Noravank, or Jermuk? So is it Yerevan, Dilijan, Noravank, or Jermuk? God, I am so bad with Armenian history. And by the way, I'm in the Armenian Sports Hall of Fame. <laughs> Don't ask me how that yeah. happened. Who else? With I, who? Was, Anybody I else? was introduced in between Garo Yepremian oh, yeah. and Era Parsegian. Wow. wow. So Two greats. I go to pick up my award, and I said, do you want me to to make a speech, and they said, yes, we would love for you to speak, but you need to keep it to 30 seconds. 30, <laughs> 30 seconds. <laughs> wow. All right, one more time, and this is a total Wait, guess. Well, what did you say in the 30 I seconds? Just, I told a, a stupid Armenian story, which I'll tell you off the air. Was right. uh, It's going to take too long. All right, so you got Yerevan, Dilijan, Noravank, 
Or Jermuk. All right. Nora Vanksy, total guess. Yerevan, so uh, unfortunately. All right. He's still one wrong. Got to have the book. The good news is the rest are baseball. So here you go. Is this question number seven? Question number six. Six. Okay. You wrote yeah, yeah, a book yeah. called I'm Fascinated by Sacrifice Flies, Inside the Game We Love. Who has the most sacrificed flies in Major League Baseball history with 128? Okay. Do you know the – do you even – It should be Eddie Murray. Eddie, Eddie is Murray is correct. Bang. How about that? Can't and he that? never led the league in sacrifice flies in any season. Really? And wow. yet has more than anyone in the history of the game. How weird is that? That is very strange. That's why I'm fascinated by sacrifice flies. Right. There are a million cool stats yeah, and yeah. notes about sacrifice flies. Believe me, I looked them all up. <laughs> and that's not a lost art, right? Travis Jankowski, right? Former Philly, former Philly, right? Yep. And still never hit a sacrifice fly. He's huh. over a thousand huh. played, over well a thousand over a thousand plate appearances in his happen? major league career. And sorry, Joey Gallo, ninety-six homers in the major leagues yeah. before he hit a sacrifice fly. Whew. Think about that. That's he crazy. Ninety-six right balls right. over a fence before he hit a ball that was caught scoring a runner from third. That's impossible. That is, that's that the beauty of baseball, right crazy. there. Numbers like that. Uh, all right. Uh, you are, I think, one away, right? No, qualifying. actually, he's qualified for the book. No, yeah. your math is wrong. Two more, he there has two more. more questions. He got one wrong. Oh, he got, got one right. wrong. That's right. got our mean you wrong. Fanatic's yeah. not good in math, by no. the way, Tim. No. All right, number seven. You were the Texas Rangers beat writer for the Dallas Morning News. We mentioned that from 81 to 85. Which pitcher had the most wins during that era with 61 wins? Was it you, – you want to take a guess off the – It should be Charlie Huff. Charlie Huff is Charlie correct. Charlie Huff. I was going to say Frank Tanana, Danny Darwin, or Doc Medich, but you got it off the top. Now you've officially qualified. You get that a fanatic book. book. But for the bonus round, you have one last question. You collected box scores. I think your son Jeff – and Jeff, by the way, his son Tom, I don't th think you know this, is the morning show host on WSTU. Of course I know. Of course. Uh, we did the morning show in uh, spring training. Yeah, spring training. Yeah. So we bonded down there, and it's great to have Jeff here. About to have his first uh, first – we don't know if it's a son or, or first baby, we'll say. It's a girl, McKinley. Oh, first a girl. girl. McKinley right. Hope, right. Congratulations. All right. There you go. Is this a first-time grandfather? No, I'm a two-time grandfather with my daughter, Kelly. I have Carson, too, and Emma was just born two months ago. Oh, wow. Right. Living large. Right. Love it. All right. Your last, so uh, I think Jeff told me this in spring training. You collected box scores from every major league game from 1990 to 2009. Every game, right? Yeah, 20 straight years without missing Every a day. Every game, box score. Yeah, why did you I, do that? Well, well, <laughs> because the, the internet was not big back right. then. I have to cover yeah. all 30 teams because I'm not the beat writer anymore. I'm covering Sports Illustrated. I got to cover all the teams. So when I would go on a long plane flight, which I did all the time, and I needed to check out what the Padres are doing with their bullpen or whatever, I have all the box scores. And yeah. the box scores teach you an enormous amount if you read them closely, which, of course, I do every day. All right, so knowing that you collected box scores, uh, I found a unique game that on April 19, 1996, the Texas Rangers beat which team 26-7? to They scored 16 runs in the eighth inning. Uh, do you remember it, this that game? Was, yeah, that was the Orioles. They that beat. was the uh, Orioles. I don't even need, you don't even need multiple choice. Right. That wow. was, and Manny Alexander pitched in that game. Yeah, that was, that's a long story. Yeah. And, and by the way, the day that Jeffrey Kirchin went to his, um, went to high school for the first time, they had orientation. That was the day that the 
Rangers beat the Orioles 30-3. to So I have to turn off my cell phone and go in for orientation. The score's 3 to nothing when I go in. Right. When I get home from get his orientation, yeah, yeah. I get a call from the office, and they said, did you hear what happened in Baltimore? I thought someone died yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or a plane crashed into the stadium. He goes, the Rangers won 30-3. to That's what I missed while I was making sure he had his uh, high school orientation. All right, one last one. To, and this is not – I'm not going to – go through the names because only one person can do it but i love i really love when you and uh you and scott van pelt have a special <laughs> relationship i guess you're both you're, you both worked in espn obviously right and and we were grew up in the same county montgomery county maryland which is oh. 50 miles from baltimore and yet they speak a different language in right. baltimore than we do in montgomery county right and i lived in baltimore for three years so i'm kind of somewhat familiar with the uh, accent but I was just, when you guys, when he interviews you and starts talking about Joe Flacco and <laughs> yeah, everything yeah, else, yeah. I, your laugh is, is, is just so, I mean, even if you don't know you, you're, you're laughing with you because it's so funny Just see that. So I was going through actually some of the, and I'm not going to do it because like Scott Van Pelt, but we actually have some good ones. We should give some of these to Scott Van Pelt. I mean, we had JT Real Muto right yeah, there, yeah. right? Really good. Ricky Otero would have right. been a good one. Right. Calvin Maduro. Ricky right. Otero. Jeff Otero is too old. But I think uh, we, you know, we had Terry's dad, Tito Francona. Tito. That's about as good. Yep. But I think the best one of all time, and get Scott to do this next time if you're talking baseball, but who is a pitcher on the – on the Phillies back in the 80s. Remember a uh, Latino pitcher? Antonio Bastardo? <laughs> well, no, no, that, that was a different Here, one. Here, I want you to do that name right there. Oh, Nino Espinosa. <laughs> I can't do it like Scott. So here's how bad it was. People would send in requests to the Van Pelt Show saying, you, you have to do this. I was in the grocery store at the Safeway in my neighborhood, and this guy comes up to me. I've never met him in my life. He attacks me in the frozen food aisle and says, please ask Scott to, to name the female goalie on the U.S. Oh. soccer team. <laughs> yeah, so Hope, I bring Hope it up. Solo. Solo. Yeah, and Hope it was Hope Solo. Solo. <laughs> it was the dumbest wow. dumbest thing ever, and yet it's it just proves again, though, fellas, we're allowed to have a good yeah, laugh yes. once in a while. We're yes. covering baseball for a living. It's okay to have a good chuckle. Right, absolutely, and the magic of TV and uh, the joy you can bring. So, uh, Tim, really, this was a pleasure. Uh, we're getting ready for the Detroit game tonight, ALS Awareness Night. Again, thanks for being here for that. Enjoy the book. I got a book. How about right. that? <laughs> and uh, that's it, John. We're going to sign off. We'll see you next time on Phillies Backstage. Backstage.